Hey guys, looking for some new custom apparel for your next business bonding retreat, your next rush event, or to thank your employees with some new swag? Check out sunshinefits.com. Specializing in custom t-shirts, hoodies, masks, and hats, Sunshine Fits is the best place to get all of your clothing needs at the absolute best price. Nationwide shipping is available. Use the promo code PICKUPTHEBLITZ for 10% off your first order. Check out sunshinefits.com or email service at gmail.com for bulk prices. Sunshine Fits, put a little sunshine in what you wear. Before we dive on into football, we want to thank the sponsor of today's episode, Southern Cigar Co. Southern Cigar Co. is a premium cigar subscription service founded with the goal of connecting cigar lovers around the world with nothing but the best smokes. Heading into a cigar shop and choosing from a vast selection can be a daunting task. Southern Cigar Co. has developed a service that takes away the worry and the hassle while providing you with premium cigars every single month. For under $40 per month and free shipping within the United States, Southern Cigar Co. will ship four of their finest cigars right to your door, with the first box of every subscription including a triple torch lighter, a double guillotine cutter, a Boveda humidity pack, and an informational card displaying everything you need to know about your newest cigars. There's no better pairing to Sunday football and your favorite bottle of beer or glass of scotch than one of Southern Cigar Co.'s top-of-the-line smokes. The world's best cigar subscription would make the perfect gift for the cigar lover in your life. Head to southerncigarco.com and enter promo code PUTB for 10% off your first order. Again, that's southerncigarco.com and enter promo code PUTB for 10% off your first order. And now, on to the football. Bonjour, hello, and happy happy Thursday. I lost the day for a second. Happy Thursday, <laughs> everybody. Welcome to the Ticket Blitz podcast, the show where guidance former high school history teacher talk a lot about football and very little about history. I'm Justin Heyer, here with Nick Bellotto, and we are back after a brief vacation, a brief Ticket Blitz vacation. Um, a couple weeks later, we are now back in full swing, ready for our summer episodes. We've got a full uh, full series coming for you guys once a week over the course of the summer. Every single week, Nick and I are going to be breaking down each division, giving each team uh, an off-season report card grade, if you will. Nick is a teacher, so he'll be very good at it. And uh, we'll be breaking down each team's best moves, their worst moves, ranking teams within the division. And then at the end of this eight-week series, we will be bringing you guys our full playoff prediction standings as we see it sort of taking everything together from these divisional rankings and report cards and putting uh, putting together a show previewing the playoffs before we head into the actual season itself. As always, we're hosting live on the Locker Room app, the sports audio-only platform that lets sports fans, players media personalities, podcasters like us, come together and talk sports like we love to do. So today, with Nick and I being Dolphins fans, we're starting in our hometown division, the AFC East. We'll be going through, like I said, a full report card grade for each team, the best moves they made this offseason, where uh, where that projects them going into the year ahead, whether or not they're potentially a playoff contender, and where these teams rank in the division. So with all of that said, Nick, where do you want to start today? 
Well, I, do you want to start from the top or what we predict to be the bottom? Um, let, let's, let's go bottom to top. Let's keep it interesting. Bottom to As top. Go. Okay, so yeah. let's start with, I'm assuming, who's going to be both of our bottom team uh, in the New York Jets, shall we? Yeah. Let's go for it. I can't, I can't imagine a scenario where, you know. Yeah, you know what, let, let's just Jets. do all the teams one by one, and then we'll rank them each at the end. That way we don't give it away as we go. But, yes, I'm assuming we both have. Okay, the Jets so on let's, the bottom. so we'll randomize it from here on out, but we yeah. can start with the New York Jets. Um, yeah. yeah, so we got the we got the Jets uh, to to begin our our divisional breakdowns here, who I think have had a pretty solid off season, uh, considering that they needed everything and they got at least a little bit of something. Um, they were one of the the weakest rosters, right? When you look at them at the end of the season, every there were holes along the entire roster. They had a left tackle maybe a safety and that was kind of it there wasn't really a whole lot that you were you were in a defensive tackle right uh, here a couple players here and there but for the most part there really wasn't um much of anything on this roster so just the fact that uh the jets were able to kind of go out and add guys like a like a carl lawson right or uh, or a Corey davis right some some interesting pieces for them or a dan feeney right those are some guys that are, you know, helping to build, uh, to rebuild a roster that was beyond atrocious. Uh, and then when you look to the draft, right, they, they kind of did a good job of filling their needs. Now, I have said many times on Locker Room, I've said it uh, a lot about uh, in regards to um, the draft. And I'll say it again here, Zach, Zach Wilson, I'm not so sure he's going to be the, you know, the next coming of Joe Namath for this franchise. Um, you know, he did a lot of stuff against sub, you know, not as, you know, complicated competition. And uh, I'm not sure he's going to be the franchise answer, but there's a lot of potential there. And, you know, he could work out. I love the Michael Carter pick in round four, as I said a couple times, I think, to you. Uh, the move to go get Elijah Vera Tucker, very solid. Um, I, I think they've had a really solid offseason. Again, you know, when you're when you're when your bar for the Jets is so incredibly low, it's hard to not be better than expected, but I think the Jets did a heck of a job, you know, rounding out some of their major roster issues. I think you're totally right. In fact, the Jets may have had my favorite offseason in this division no, altogether, but, but the, the reason the, I, I prefaced with May, and the reason with the, uh, for that is because when you have a ton of cap space and your team sucks you to high draft picks, it's pretty easy to have an exciting offseason to bring in lots of names. So, when I say may have had my favorite offseason, I mean two years from now we can actually decide if it was the best offseason of uh, you know of this division. But it just they did a lot of things that seemed to hit the mark on what they need. Like you said, they brought in a lot of good names. I liked the Carl Lawson contract. I actually liked the Corey Davis contract because Corey Davis has wide receiver one potential, and they paid him wide receiver two money. He obviously never lived up to that wide receiver one potential as a Titan, but AJ Brown really took over that role last year. And Corey Davis is very clearly a high-quality complimentary wide receiver, too. Um, the only free agency contract that I was like – or free agency name they brought in that I was kind of scratching my head was Tevin Coleman, but they gave him almost no money. The reason I didn't like it, even with the low contract, is because I'd much rather see what their young guys could do. Tevin Coleman's going to be taking starting snaps on a team that's not going to the playoffs. Um, and I'd rather see what Michael P. Ryan or like Michael Carter could do, but – Regardless, Coleman, I'm sure, will be um, taken over by one of those guys pretty early. You can debate Zach Wilson versus uh, Trey Lance versus Justin Fields till the cows come home. 
honestly, it doesn't really matter because we won't know what any of these guys have as a starting caliber quarterback for three or four years, and they're all worthy, I think, of that second overall pick. So if they like Zach Wilson and that's their guy, fine. What I really loved, though, was the emphasis on at least giving Zach Wilson a real shot to be that guy, right? You sure. move up for Elijah Vera Tucker. You uh, take Elijah Moore, um, Elijah Moore up at the top of the second round. Then you take Michael Carter. You bring in Corey Davis. There's just a lot of a lot of emphasis on making the O-line more sturdy and surrounding Zach Wilson with weapons. And that's really the goal at this point is get your franchise quarterback and give him a real shot to actually be that guy. They got a solid return for Sam Darnold. Uh, there's just really nothing to be upset about from this offseason. The fact that, uh, you know, I mentioned Tevin Coleman as the primary detractor that I saw goes to show how, uh, I think, how few mistakes they made, at least from a, uh, a surface-level glance. Yeah, and, you know, I I think what you said about Zach Wilson being given the chance to shot is something that's not very Jets-like, right? Especially in the right. last three years that we've been watching this roster and watching this team unfold with, uh, you know, Gase at the helm. Um, they basically just said, "Good luck, bud, and, and see what you can do." So I'm 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 impressed with what the Jets have done. Do I think it's all going to pan out? I I don't I don't know because I like someone uh, who was it, uh, Danny in the sat uh, in the chat said that uh, Wilson has the biggest bust potential in sure. in you know of all the first round quarterbacks, and I couldn't agree more. Um, so there's still the potential that they do not have their franchise quarterback, but all the other pieces are there to see if he's, if he's going to be the guy, um, which is, I think the most important thing that you have to come out of this, this coming season knowing, right. You have to feel coming out of this year. You, you, I don't think the jets need to go out and win eight, nine games, right? What I need them to do is figure out if Wilson's going to be your guy, see enough from Zach Wilson to feel confident in him being the future. And then in a year from a year from then, then you can start maybe looking at some double digit win totals if you want. Right, right. No, that's that's totally fair. Uh, you know, the other you said not Jets like in terms of surrounding Zach Wilson. The other thing that seemed very non Jets like was the fact that this team had a ton of cap space and they didn't just go blow it on like five players who were resetting salaries at their position. I think Carl Lawson was their largest contract that they gave out, which was fifteen million a year. And that's not even top 15 as an edge rusher, right? So it's not like they just went out and said, oh, we have all the salary cap space. Let's just try to win now. You know, it's a, it's a new a new coaching staff, a relatively new GM. So they're saying, you know, we, we, have some, we have some bandwidth. Let's take our time and build it right. Again, not very Jets-like. They didn't go out and pay CJ, like a CJ Mosley or a Le'Veon Bell resetting the market with, for a veteran when they're not at that point. That I think they deserve points for as well because it's very tempting to go out and just blow all your money at the biggest names on the free agent market and that's what they've done in the past so you're spot on that's it, it it's it seems as though the front office of the new york jets finally figured out what they were doing was not working and trying to follow in the dolphins footsteps of the youth movement exactly exactly the youth movement infuse this roster with youth let's be smart with our picks smart with our money and I think they did a, they did a really good job with that. So, where do you want to where do you want to move next for keeping this keeping this random? Let's so go. Rank them. Let's, oh wait, we got to give a grade. Sorry, we got to give a grade. What was your your favorite move? And uh, if you didn't already mention it yet, and let's give it a grade. My favorite move. So I'm going to steal your favorite move because I think it was mine as well. Bringing in Carl Lawson, I like that move a lot. Um, okay. Because they needed some desperate help on the defensive side of the ball. I would probably give the Jets. 
I'll probably give them like an A minus overall. Okay, you took my grade. I'm going A minus as well. Um, I wouldn't say it was exactly perfect because again, I'm not also not sure Zach Wilson was the quarterback I would have taken at two. But again, very few detractors. Just a solid offseason throughout. Seems like they have real direction. My favorite move was Elijah Vera Tucker, just because of what it represents, which is making sure we give Zach Wilson the best shot possible to be the franchise guy. I know it was kind of steep moving up what they gave up to get him, but still you're trying to build up this really rock solid front five. You have at this point, what I think are going to be two cornerstones there in Mekhi Becton and Elijah Vera Tucker. So I'm going a minus as well. That's my favorite. move. Where'd you want to go next? Second team in this. I'll AFC you, I'll, why don't you pick this one? I picked the first one. Why don't you pick this one? All right, let's 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 go to the top of what last year's division was with the Buffalo Bills. This I think was the most low key uh, division, um, low key off season in the division, kind of because they didn't need to do a whole lot. I mean, this roster was pretty dang complete last year. Yeah. Their highest profile free agent signing was maybe Emmanuel Sanders. They had some good re signings that I really liked, which which we'll get into. Um, solid draft in general. They addressed their Biggest deficiency, which I think was edge rusher uh, in the very first round. So I was impressed with that. Uh, there's just not a whole lot to, like, be super excited about, but there didn't need to be. This wasn't a team that right. had a lot of holes to fill. What were your impressions here? With with Buffalo? I mean, I, I kind of yeah. agree. I think that, you know, they didn't they didn't walk into the offseason with a whole lot of problems on their roster. And I, I think that what they did was – I think what they, some of the best stuff that they did was bringing back some of their starters, right? Uh, making sure that Milano is still on the team. Daryl Williams is still on the team, right? Uh, those are guys that are, you know, big pieces for them. So I think just keeping the guys that they had was already a great uh, step in the right direction for Buffalo. Um, when it comes to, you know, how they how they did with the, um, with the draft, you know, I, I – Rousseau is interesting, right? Everyone always is going to look at these, um, at the guys uh, who are in the first couple of rounds to see if they're going to really uh, pan out. And, I, you know, I thought Greg Rousseau was, was a really interesting pick for them because they definitely needed some edge rushing help. Uh, that was one of the few areas of the, of, the, of the Buffalo team that really was not the best. Um, so bringing in Rousseau, I think, could be good if he ends up being the player that we, he could be. Right. There's a lot of potential that he could be a bust. There's a lot of potential that, you know, what we saw was a one year wonder and we'll never see anything like that again. If he pans out, I think this is one of the more complete rosters on the uh, in the NFL. It it might be the most complete roster in the NFL. I mean, I'm not sure there's a single glaring hole on this entire starting lineup. Maybe CB2, maybe cornerback, too. But I mean, that's that's pulling it. But I feel like pulling the strings. Right. I, I, I was just going to say that. That's like, that's not a, a, that's you trying to find something. It's not, it's not necessarily a problem for them. I think, I think the biggest question about whether or not Buffalo is going to, you know, take the next step is, are we going to continue to see progression out of the guys have already got, right? Are we going to continue to see Josh Allen take another step? He, he, there's no reason to not think that, right? There is absolutely nothing to indicate that he's not going to continue to be awesome. But um, I think it's just, you know, they brought back a lot of the band which was important for them. I, you know, I think they could easily be in the AFC championship again. So favorite move and grade here for the bills. Favorite move, favorite move. I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to give Buffalo a B, but it's not because I just, 
because I think a B is a fair grade to a team that, you know, just kind of did what it needed to do. Not really, um, you know, anything crazy or outlandish. Uh, favorite move. Favorite move. Um, it's not a lot to pick from. Home. Yeah, right. I'm gonna go, I'm, I'm gonna go with Rousseau. Why not? Because again, I think I think there's a ton of potential there. I'm going retaining Daryl Williams. Uh, I again, not a whole lot to pick from here, but you give a reasonable contract to a starting quality right tackle, and and I'm kind of just going to expand that as making a lot of good re-signings. So Matt Milano, they retain there as well. Isaiah McKenzie, who's really helpful for them on special teams. A lot of role players who uh, fans who are following other teams might not necessarily know about, but who were really core to helping this Bills team and, you know, Josh Allen take the next step and the Bills team in general take a huge next step. So um, I'm going to give them a B as well. It's it's hard to go higher, like you said, when there wasn't, like, some sort of clear trade necessarily. Right. Uh, yeah, exactly. They were just kind of there. They were just kind of also at the party. They didn't, you know, they, 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 they weren't the, exactly. the, they weren't the, the life of the party, so to say, but they, they were there, and they they did fine. They did yeah, fine. Couldn't agree more. Did someone say Josh Allen? Oh, we said we said it a few <laughs> times. I was waiting for you to come out. We're our favorite Josh Allen on the locker room app here with us. What's going on, Josh? Not much. I, I agree. I mean, what are you guys talking about, especially for Buffalo going out and, you know, realizing, hey, we need help at edge rusher. Not just taking Gregory Russo, but coming back in the second round and saying, hey, Carlos Boogie Basham's here. Great value. Let's grab him, too. And, you know, really shoring that up and, and, you know, getting two guys who, if they pan out, could be really successful edge rushers for them uh, going forward. So I, I thought it was a, a great move for them. Um, and and I, I agree with you, Elijah Barrett Tucker. You know, great move. I mean, they they, notified, they saw a need for the, for the Jets, and they're like, hey, let's move up. Let's grab this guy. And then grabbing Michael Carter in the fourth. And then Michael Carter in the fifth. <laughs> oh, yeah, just Joe Douglas trolling us there a little bit. Um, I'm sure yeah. they were freaking out at first, making sure guys we're, we got to draft the right Michael Carter. They're in the fourth <laughs> round, taking the run. Make sure it's not the other one. We'll get maybe we'll get him later, but make sure it's the running back. Right. That's How great. hysterical would that be? If you turn in the wrong card because the guy has the same name. <laughs> that would be super fun, <laughs> and it would be it would be very Jets like. That would be Jets like. That would be very yes. Jets like. You see the highlight of Michael Carter, the running back, running over Michael Carter, the safety. And it's funny because one of them's from one of them's a Tar Heel, right? One's a Blue Devil. It's like it's just hilarious. That's funny, uh, you know how how it <laughs> turned out. Yeah, you, you, you can't you can't make that stuff up. That was pretty. That's pretty perfect. All right, Josh. I mean, I know I know you're like, kind of like the Bucks guy on here, but you're also Boston. You're also you're also Patriots guy. Why don't you help us break down the Patriots report card here, off season report card, and maybe give them a grade. Yeah, well, you guys started with the bottom. You went to last year's top. Now we'll talk about this year's top team. In oh, okay. I don't know about Ooh, that. Okay. Hold off a minute. Hold off a minute. Yeah, Take a oof. step back. I'm stepping what back. Are what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts? No, no, no. no. I'm, <laughs> I'm saying just hold off on your projection there. But no, no, no. Let's, let's hear your thoughts. Oh, okay. You yeah, I mean, you look at what they did on – let's just start with the defensive side of the ball before we even move to the, the explosion on offense, right? They brought yeah. back, you know, they're getting back a guy in Dante Howard Tower, who is the heart and soul of that defense. You have Stephon Gilmore. You you put the um, not the tag the uh, the uh, what's it called on J.C. Jackson. You guys know what I'm talking yeah. about. 
I can't think yeah. about it right now. There was the tender. You put the tender, tender yeah, on yeah. Casey Jackson. So you're bringing back your top two cornerbacks. It looks like Kyle Duggan's ready to take that big step, which is good because you lost Patrick Chung. McCordy's back for another year. Uh, and then you went out and you grabbed some guys. You know, you're like, okay, how can we get better? And you go out and you get Matt Judon, who I think is going to be a great player in this in this system. And not and short of that, you're like, okay, so you know, on the defensive line, what are we what are we missing here? You bring back Lawrence Guy, but then you go out and you get uh, you get Godchow from Miami, who I know you know has been up and down, and some Miami fans will tell you you know that he was. He wasn't a great player, but for what the Pats will ask him to do, I think it'd be perfect for it. And then he went, what was it, Anthony Melton from the Jets as well? Uh, so you really short up that defensive line. And then you decide to, hey, Christian Barmore slipping in the draft. Let's grab him. So that defensive line, that front seven, with the drafting of, uh, also of Ronnie Perkins to pair with uh, Uche and Winovich and, you know, Judon. You really have a really dominant front seven, I think, is going to be there to go with a really, really impressive back end with, uh, you know, you still got Jonathan Jones, uh, Jonathan Jones back there, and you have some of these other guys, Jawan, uh, Jawan Jones or whatever his name is. I can't think of his name right now. Um, so you really improved your defense, right? But then you mentioned the Jets, you know, being really smart about not spending the money. This is where the Pats went crazy. And they went out and they just spent a ton of money on offense. They started off with some trades. Michael Onwenu's play last year allowed you to move uh, Marcus Cannon, allowed you to make a trade for Trent, uh, Trent Williams, not Trent Williams, Trent Brown, who was going to come in and be a solid anchor at right tackle. And you, you brought back not only David Andrews, but you also brought back Ted Karras, who was starting for the Dolphins last year uh, for most of the season, if I'm not wrong. Correct me if I am. Yeah, no, no, you're right. Uh, so, you know, your offensive line, not only your starting, but your depth is probably top five offensive line in the league right off the bat. Um, they signed Cam Newton, which I think was more of, hey, let's go into free agency with a quarterback. We don't want to be trying to pitch to these receivers and tight ends and running backs and what have you, and then be like, well, who's your quarterback going to be? And, well, I don't know. We got Jared Stidham. Uh, so, and I think I think Belichick really liked him last year as a leader, uh, able to fade the noise of the locker room, as we've heard recently. There was a lot of Tom Brady talk. Um, is he the same quarterback that he that he was his MVP season? No, I don't think so. Was he a more effective runner? Yes. Do I think that he, if he struggles, he could possibly turn into that Taysom Hill type player? Yeah, probably. Um, but they, they did enough to try to help him, right? I mean, last year he was throwing Jacoby Myers – was his best target with Edelman out most of the time. The kill Harry still doesn't seem to have figured it out. And other than that, he was throwing the practice squad guys. So they went out, they said, all right, let's go get Nelson Aguilar, who had one good season and didn't drop the ball a ton in, with the Raiders. Uh, Kendrick Bourne, who I think is just an amazing fit at slot for this team. And then they went out and said, hey, let's get back to double two tight ends. Let's get Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry. And they broke the bank for those guys. So, um, you know, I really liked what they did on the offensive side. And, I mean, now, guys, the, the rumors are rampant, and I really think it's probably going to happen. <laughs> you know, you might be adding Julio Jones to this offense, too, which is crazy to think of because, you know, whether whoever the quarterback is, and I'll get to that also in a minute, whoever the quarterback is, I mean, the, the weapons that he has, 
in the passing game. And that's not even talking about Damian Harris, re-signing James White, having a guy um, like Ramondre Stevenson, who I think is going to be a good player for them as well, that they drafted, I believe, in the fourth round this year. Uh, they also have the, the kid from uh, Arizona who came on and played pretty well. They just re-signed Tyler Gaffney as well. So, I mean, the running back room stocked. If you can add Antonio Brown to that wide receiver room, I mean, not Antonio Brown, Julio Jones to that wide receiver room, and, you know, maybe Nikhil Harry comes along this year, you're in a great shape offensively. And then comes the enigma of Mac Jones, who they drafted in their first round. It looks like to me that Tom Brady, uh, that Tom Brady has an, had an effect on Bill Belichick because for the longest time, you looked at what he was doing at the quarterback position. Jimmy G, Jared Stidham, Jacoby Brissett. All these guys were guys who could kind of move out of the pocket and weren't just pocket strictly pocket passers who can make extend plays or who could even run a bit in the case of Jacoby Brissett and Jared Stidham. And it looked like he's like, okay, we brought Cam Newton. Uh, it's really not what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> let's go out and get a pocket passer who perfected this system for 20 years, and let's go get another guy like him. Not not saying he is him, but, you know, a, a more of a pocket passer, cerebral, intelligent, smart, can make the reads, can make the throws, quarterback. Comes from the system that he's very comfortable with uh, in Alabama that runs pro-ready that. He knows he can throw to pro-style NFL receivers that are already in the league. And I could see Matt Jones starting relatively soon if Cam Newton continues throwing balls at ankles. Josh, that was a very thorough recap. You know, I was just going to say the same thing. And very well done, very well done at at that. Nick, I'd love to I'd love to hear your thoughts and maybe some of the, you know your your favorite moves there. But just in general, how New England attacked the offseason because there was very clearly a, a design plan here. Oh, for sure, and it was it was fix everything. Um, I, you know, I my biggest criticism of New England is that I know, and Justin, you know firsthand that spending all the money doesn't necessarily equate to, um, yeah. you know, winning football games, right? We've seen the Miami Dolphins do that time and time again, where they shell out millions and millions and millions of dollars to these players, and then they go six and ten, or they go seven and nine, whatever it might be. So obviously, I'm extremely skeptical of throwing out um, a lot of these, uh, you know, these contracts, these players. But if you look at the list of players that they brought in, I don't, I don't think I need to go into them because Josh uh, did. <laughs> if I do it, it's just going to be a, a bad knockoff of what Josh just did. But, oh, you know, bad. bringing in, it, it's all good. Um, uh, it's, you know more about this stuff than I do for sure. So, I mean, listen, they, they're trying to duplicate the success that they had with Brady, right? That's why they went out. They get all these tight ends. That's when, you know, that's a system that they're comfortable running there with a bunch of different tight end sets. They, I, what Josh said about the defensive line, I think, is spot on. I think this is going to be one of the strengths of this team. And I think Devon Godshaw, I know there's a lot of, like, like Josh said, people who are skeptical of this play. I've always thought that Godshaw was an underrated player on that Miami defensive line. Not the most effective of pass rushers, but when you need him to stop the run, he's going to stop that run. Um, so you pair him with some of these other edge players that they ended up picking up. I think I think the Patriots had a decent offseason, um, especially uh, at least on the free agency side. And I think Barmore uh, was one of the best value picks in the draft. Everyone yeah. had him as a thir- uh, first round guy, and then he's he's your second round pick. You can't be, you can't really beat that. Um, so I think they had a pretty solid uh, they had a pretty solid draft, and they got a guy in Mac Jones who who looks the part. He looks like he is. 
you know, in line to be a good quarterback in that system. The biggest issue about Mac Jones is can that system, right, the system of a quarterback not known for scrambling ability, be successful in today's NFL? And the question is still really out on that. You've seen a lot of quarterbacks struggle with that over the years. And as quarterbacks are becoming more athletic, you know, less and less of those um, uh, inferior athletes, for lack of a better term, we all know that's not what I mean, are, are starting to go by the wayside. So the question really becomes, can it's twofold for the New England Patriots, right? All the free agency signings, are they actually going to help you become a better team? I think that you will. But how much better will you become? And what is what is the ceiling for Mac Jones? How how far can Mac Jones take you? Um, I'm in agreement with with Josh that I think that uh, pretty soon into the season, I don't think he'll start week one, but I think I think you know as early as like a week four, I could see Mac Jones taking the starting reins from Cam Newton because I just Ooh, what we against, saw from- the, against the Bucks. <laughs> Fair enough. Now, that would be that would be that would go from must see TV to the NFL event of the season. Well, let Let's see how it plays out because I don't see you know I can't see a scenario where Cam Newton is the quarterback of this team for the entire season. And based on what we no. saw last year, there was nothing nothing that was exciting about Cam Newton's play that made me want to give him another real shot at the apple here. So I personally I I could see it as early as week four. You know what? Let's go ahead and say week four, Mac Jones. Versus versus Tom Brady, I think they might get killed, but let's see what happens. Yeah, I, I think there's there's no way in hell that Mac Jones is the last of these five starting quarterbacks to uh, rookie quarterbacks to to start because they're not they're not the, unless they design two different offenses, then they're not designing this uh, they're not designing an offense entirely tailored around Cam Newton, which you kind of need to do for him to be at his best right this offense is going to be designed with or rather continually implemented since it's the same coaches uh with mac jones in in mind so i honestly wouldn't be surprised about that either especially because apparently he's a very quick learner a very hard worker and all those things that you generally hear pre-draft uh about about a lot of these quarterbacks so if that's the case uh, i wouldn't be surprised if he's in there um relatively soon either I, you know in general the way the patriots said they're all, as free agency was happening I was like, what the hell is Bill Belichick doing? Like, this is silly. He's just throwing money, hoping to All catch up a team. Work. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. Now with two months of perspective, you kind of, unlike teams that just throw money at the wall, you can kind of connect the dots here. You could see that there was a plan going in and that they kind of executed that plan pretty perfectly, right? This wasn't like an old Dolphins team just throwing money at the biggest name free agent and saying, let's try to get him in and patch a hole. They went after very specific types of players, right? They want to go with bully ground, you know, ground game football with quick rhythm passing. And you have the perfect offensive cast now do that. Two really good tight ends in Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry, as Josh mentioned, and also these faster receivers who are able to play slot and outside like Nelson Aguilar someone who's very capable in the slot but just hasn't really gotten the time to shine because he's behind other guys like Kendrick Bourne. Uh, I, I actually really like – and you bring in Trent Brown. I really liked the way they rebuilt the offense. And Josh already articulated perfectly, so I don't need to rehash how well they um, fortified that front seven. And I, I, the last point I'll make is that they did lose a couple of key guys, Joe Tooney, Adam Butler, Julian Edelman, but they have the perfect replacements – already in-house for any serious loss or Marcus Cannon, yeah. you know, any serious loss that they had. So 
I I was pretty darn impressed with with the Patriots offseason now with two months of perspective. What what were your guys, if you want to give maybe one favorite move and then your overall grade for New England this uh, this offseason? I, I I think the thing with Tooney is they would have probably kept him if not for on Wayne's amazing rookie season. Right. And him being able to play multiple spots on that line. It kinda let them free up the thing that, you know, that, that offensive line, what they did there, um is probably my favorite move. I mean, it's easy to say the splash players with a tight end or the defensive guys or, you know, even the drafting of Mac Jones. But what that offensive line allows you to do is player a quarterback like Mac Jones because he's going to have time. You know, he's going to have time to throw the ball. He's not going to have to be out scrambling and everything like that because with those bookend tackles, if Isaiah Wynn can stay healthy and the interior line, they should be able to hold up to you know multiple pass rushes, whether it's interior, exterior, uh, and buy him some time. But not only that, it allows the running game to flourish. And I mean, whether that's using Cam Newton as the Taysom Hill type guy and having him come in with two quarterbacks out on the field, and you know one of them gets a direct snap, and you know Cam Newton gets a direct snap and runs it, or just the running game in general, allowing the wide receivers to to buy to find more time to get open. Um, because of the protection, I mean, that offensive line, the way they, even with losing Tooney, bringing in Karras and, and trading for Trent Brown, and I, I think that was probably, for me, uh, the key to their success this year is allowing the quarterback to have more time to throw and really allowing the run game to get going to set up play actions and, and keep defensive on, defenses honest. So, for me, it was the offensive line move. See, I'm gonna go. I'm, I'll go on the other side of the line. I think the defensive line moves are, are you know, the Patriots have always had quite dominant defensive lines, and I think what they did uh, in bringing in Godchuck, bringing in Barmore, and then some of these edge guys, I think, I think they've built, rebuilt a, a very solid um, defensive line. So uh, that's where I'm looking because I, I always love looking at defensive line for all these teams. So I think what they've got there is a lot of talent up front, a lot of youth up front at least a couple of youthful players up front. Um, and I, like I said, I love that Barmore pick. You just, that's, that's incredible value with a guy who, you know, in that system could be very good. So I, I, I like that defensive line. All right. If you guys are going to go all, all, you know, alternative lines, I'll go with the easy one, the flashy, the flashy answer, but I think it's equally valid. These two tight ends here. I, I don't know how you defend two tight end sets with both Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry, when you also have to make sure that you're set and ready for what's probably going to be a pretty dang dominant ground game, right? You'd like to cover these tight ends with really uh, with really good safeties, but if you put too many DBs on the field, how the hell are you going to defend what's going to be a really strong power run game? So I'm kind of nervous as a Dolphins fan for how they're going to handle this. I kind of like that Miami's playing them week one because hopefully all these new signings haven't gelled yet. Um, you know, hopefully it takes a couple of weeks for them to get into a group. Maybe by the time they play the Bucks in week four, that's okay. But at least not, at least <laughs> not uh, week one here against Miami. Overall, I was very impressed with New England's offseason. Um, you know, there's the slight back of brain concern about, okay, did you spend way too much money? But they still have a pretty decent amount of cap space next year. So I, I think I just, I think I'm just going to give them a, an, an A minus. I mean, I, I maybe even an a, I'm going to go a minus because you know there's there's the chance that some of these signings like let's say a Matt Judon is he going to fit really well in the system? Who knows? Is that going to waste the money? I'm I'm going to go a minus and reserve an A for maybe uh, a couple of our later 
later teams down the rest of the series. But what do you guys think overall grade-wise for New England? I like a B because I, I – I, the money. It's just so much money. Uh, and I'm very skeptical of that spending. Uh, so I, I give them a B. I'm going to go a B-plus here for a couple different reasons. One of them, the money thing doesn't bother me as much because the, the what happened here with the money – is a direct lack of good drafting, right? And that was kind of a trash. Sure. And even Robert Kraft said that if you had, if you drafted well over the past few years, that money would have been spent on re-signings instead of free agents. And we would have been talking about, okay, they spent a lot of money to re-sign their own guys instead of spending a lot of money on, on guys that, you know, they, they're bringing in from outside areas. For me, the biggest thing right now is quarterback. I mean, yeah, sure, you drafted Mac Jones. And, you know, I am believing in him, and I tend to think he'll be a good player in the system. He brought back um, Cam Newton and Brian Hoyer, for that matter. Um, but the, the biggest thing is right now is if the old adage, if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. And until I really see how this quarterback um, – how these quarterbacks are going to play out, you can add all the weapons on offense in the world, and it, it really couldn't matter. The defense, I think, is going to be back up to a top-five defense in the league. They were top-five last year. They were with one of the worst run, running defenses in the league. Uh, as Nick alluded to, they shored that up in multiple ways. Um, B-plus, it goes up to an A if Julio Jones lands on the team. 100% with that. 100% with that. So before we move to Miami, then, you both think New England should be aggressively pursuing Julio Jones? Uh I do, but I, it's not even what I think. It's what I'm hearing from everywhere. You know, not just, not just you know, people reporting it, but just kind of through whispers and back channels through a couple of different people I talk to. Um, they are really interested. It's going to come down to what, they, what they're going to spend. But remember, they almost gave up a first-round pick a few years ago for Antonio Brown, but the Steelers wanted to trade him outside of the, outside of the conference. They were heavily interested in OBJ before he got traded. They've been trying to trade for a top-tier wide receiver for a while. Obviously, I think Belichick knows, hey, I, I can't develop wide receivers for whatever for whatever reason. Let's go out and get one. And, two Belichick's older, you know. He's an older coach now. And I think that, you know, as much as it, it is probably a little bit of the Brady thing, too, um, it's also, hey, I want, I want to make another run. I want to make another run before I retire. Um, let's get some good players in here. Let's get a quarterback that I can groom for my son who's going to take over. Yes, that's right. Yeah. I don't think it's Josh McDaniels. Um, and, you know, let's go get Julio. Shit. So it costs us $11 million this year. You know, and as you alluded to, they still have pretty good cap space next year. And who's to say Julio might not take a pay cut or a restructure to stick around for a few more years or whatnot? He said he wants to be with a winner. It seems like it's down to them and the Titans. Um, I don't want to go play in Tennessee. I'd rather play in New England. You know, Bill Belichick, let's go. So, yeah. Long-winded answer, but you know all my answers are long-winded. So. <laughs> but always well <laughs> thought out. Very, always very yes. thoughtful answers, which we certainly appreciate. And honestly, it's, it's hard to argue. I mean, Belichick is clearly gearing up to win right now. He wants to win right now. Otherwise, you don't make all of those moves in free agency. So uh, Julio is, is a pretty perfect uh, complement to what they have on the roster. I'm a little skeptical about paying $15 million 
and uh, I think 15 million is his base salary for this year, and a first round pick for a player who's 32 and only played in like seven or eight games last year. I know he's Julio Jones. He's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, and I, I'm not I'm not arguing against that, you know, at all. Just whether or not it's the best use of resources when they already just spent a crap ton of resources um, in in free agency. Give me a conditional second round pick, and I and I and I like it. Sure, fair enough. All right, Nick, it's that time. We've waited forty two minutes to talk about Miami. <laughs> Let's do it. I gotta hop off, got? guys. I gotta hop off. Right, well, thank you so quick. much for coming on, Josh. I always love the Dolphins it. move. I mean, Waddle over Smith was the right move. And getting potentially the best pass rusher in the draft was, was also, you know, getting they, – they had a phenomenal, phenomenal draft in my opinion. But um, combine that with some of the outside offseason moves. Oh, my goodness, I forgot to say about the Patriots. They brought back Calvin Noy too. I mean, come on. Uh, yeah, great offseason by them. Actually, bumped my grade up to an A. I forgot about that. But, guys, <laughs> always a pleasure talking to you guys. I, I really appreciate uh, you guys having me on and let me uh, take up time. On your show with my long-winded answers. Uh, glad to have you back. I'll be in here next week. Make sure you shoot me a message when you do the NFC South. I definitely want to talk about the Bucks there. But I'll talk to you guys soon. For sure, have a great show. Absolutely, and, uh, will do. Much appreciated, Josh. Thanks, Josh. Appreciate it, man. All right, so, Nick, it's Miami time. Justin. Kick it off. Let's do it. All right, so um, I- I'm trying to be as fair-minded as I can possibly be, but you, obviously, everyone who's listening understands where we stand on on the Dolphins. Um, I think they had a really good draft. I think they had a very good draft, Um, and I think that's a fair uh, thing to say, and I think a lot of people out there in the universe would agree with me on that. Um, I think that the one thing that this team lacked was uh, explosiveness, and that's exactly what they got. You know, if you look at both Jalen Phillips and Jalen Waddle, you got potentially very explosive type players. Um, and then they did, the, you know, they, they did a good job feeling all of their needs, right? The Dolphins needed a safety, right? Bobby McCain, who was released, not a, not, not a long-term uh, scenario with him, right? He was a guy who switched from cornerback, that nickel slot to the safety spot. You know, the transition was okay. It wasn't great, but now you bring in Javon Holland, and that's a significant upgrade at the safety position. Liam Eikenberg helps rebuild a two or helps finish a two year rebuild of the offensive line. I loved that. And then they needed edge rushers and they needed speed. They they got all of that, right? That they their draft I think was more important than what they did in terms of the uh in terms of free agency. Now, I know you might disagree with me, but I'm not sold on Will Fuller yet. The reason I'm not sold on Will Fuller is because I haven't seen him play a full season. So I, you know, until he can play a full 17 games, um, I have a lot of skepticism. That'll get, that'll get t- take time to get used to. Yeah. Well, I almost said 16. That's why I had to yeah. like kind of say it <laughs> weird. Um, I, I, I think that th- there's tons of talent there that there's no one in the world who questions the talent of Will Fuller, but he's a guy who can't stay healthy. So you've got three receivers now on the Dolphins roster that have injury concerns in Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, and Will Fuller. And Jalen Waddle coming off an ankle injury that, you know, may or may not hamper him uh, over the course of his career. So you've got a lot of injury risk in your receiver room. But I think from a potential standpoint, this team immediately moves from one of the least exciting offenses to one of the more exciting ones very quickly. So uh, I think there's a ton to be excited about with this Miami Dolphin team. Um, and I think all the moves they made, 
it's it's clear that Chris Greer and company recognized the problems that they had and did their best to uh, fix those problems in in the draft and in free agency. Yes, the, uh, very similar to how I would sort of explain the way New England attacked the offseason. It was very calculated. Like you said, they had, they noticed very specific needs, and they directly addressed those needs, and honestly, very little else. There was very little wasted money this offseason, which very unlike Miami. Um, and in particular, there was a speed problem on offense. There was a separation problem, an explosion problem on offense. And like you said, they addressed that to a T by taking, I think, the two most explosive receivers in free agency and the draft, respectively. I also really liked that, like New England, again, Miami lost a couple of key contributors this offseason, but directly made sure they did have a direct replacement. It's you lose your mentor quarterback in Ryan Fitzpatrick, you pick one up in Jacoby Brissett, you lose your center in Ted Karras, you pick one up in Matt Skura. I kind of would have liked a, an upgrade as opposed to a direct replacement there, but he was a great pass blocker, just had some snapping issues. Uh, replacement nonetheless. You lose your rotational defensive tackle in Devon Godshaw, you pick up Adam Butler, and you presumably also are going to give Rick Juan Davis even more snaps after a tremendous Ricky season at defensive tackle. You lose Kyle Van Noy, right? You're getting not only replacement back at Vince Beagle, who was injured last year, but you have Andrew Van Ginkle waiting in the wings, and you pick up Bernard uh, McKinney as well. You lose Shaq Lawson, you add Jalen Phillips, you lose Julian Davenport, you add Liam Eikenberg. All over this offensive line, or rather all over this roster, you have a loss, direct replacement, and oftentimes an upgrade as well over, over who was lost. So there really aren't any glaring holes left on the starting lineup maybe you can argue running back if you're underwhelmed by miles gaskin as a starter but that'll be i imagine a committee approach and they have some solid guys uh in that committee even if they're not household names yeah i think i think it's running back it's the only real area of need um there's no reason to think that there's there's anything else that's glaring on this team and it's just a question of making sure that all the pieces gel right and gel quickly um, for this team. I think, like I said, Miami, and again, this is uh, this was an applauded situation across the board. They did everything they needed to do. Um, so, and I think I think you already kind of hit on it. The one question, the biggest question mark I have is Skura, um, just because I don't know if he's the, the center you want moving forward. And I think, um, you know, they could have, they had a couple opportunities in the draft to draft, to pick up a guy who could snap the ball. Uh, but, I can't fault them based on everything they did. The Hunter Long pick, you and I spoke about it often. I've, I've said it a bunch of times. I don't get it very much. I mean, I get it in the sense that maybe you want to see if he can replace Mike Kosicki because he's in a contract here. But uh, I don't know. I, there was there were a couple players there, potentially a, a Quinn Miners, right, potentially a Michael Carter, who you could have gotten that you could have filled an immediate need with. I didn't like that pick. But if, if, I'm, only, if I'm nitpicking, then that's a good thing for the Dolphins. Nick picking, we can call it. Nick How's that? Picking. Oh, very How's good. that? Very good. The Dolphins Not brought in a couple of uh, veteran players for visits. They brought in Lee Cooker. They brought in Melvin Ingram. There's still Le'Veon Bell sitting out there. Are there any veteran additions you think this team should should bring in at this point? Any of those three names I mentioned? You're like, okay, let's let's spend a little bit more money there because there's not a lot of money left to be had right now. You'd have to start cutting guys. Uh, I think Jakeem Grant and Albert Wilson are probably top of that list. Do you make any of those sacrifices to bring in another veteran addition here? 
I just none of them are going to represent like uh, to me extreme upgrades. You don't know what Le'Veon Bell still has in the tank, and um, I think because of that, I think you pass on him. Um, he actually. Yeah, I, I think I'd rather trust the running backs on the roster than Le'Veon. Maybe Mel, Melvin Ingram because it's always good to have some solid pass rush. Uh, but I think I think this team is pretty strong top to bottom, and I don't think it's totally necessary to, to bring those guys in, especially if they're going to be commanding uh, salaries that we can't afford. On the other side of your question, I do think that Miami needs to just go ahead and pull the, pull the trigger when appropriate to move on from Jakeem Grant and Albert Wilson. I think they're they're too What's many. What's the hold up there? Uh, like what the hell? What is the hold up? I I don't know. Maybe they feel bad or something. I, I genuinely don't know because um, I think they're. Yeah, I don't I don't think there's anything monetary wise that's really. I think maybe they're waiting know, for holding June first. Back. Maybe that's they're the waiting for June first. But I don't I don't remember there being any huge monetary gain by waiting. Um, there, there's like I, don't know. I think. I, Three quarters of a million on Jakeem. If you, if you, but you could just cut him and designate him as the post June first cut. I believe that. I believe you could do that. I think that's how it works. Uh, you just don't get the money until right, after so, June first. Right. So it's not really a huge, a huge deal. So why yeah. they haven't done it yet? No idea. Cannot explain it to you. But they need to do it because those guys are no longer in the plan. Jakeem Grant can only catch footballs when he's wide open, and even then he drops them if, it, if it's if it counts. He can catch. You know what bothers me about Jakeem Grant? Every offseason you see him running all these routes and catching all these great balls, and then the second that happens in a game, he drops them all. So, like, that's cool, man. I'm really glad that you're posting a lot of stuff on Twitter, but do it when it counts. Um, Albert Wilson, I've always, you know, kind of been underwhelmed with him since he came to Miami. Uh, a lot of potential when he signed here a few years ago, but not, you know, nothing exciting uh, that we've so seen. There was that one, that 150-yard game again was it with Brock Osweiler against Chicago where Albert Wilson like single-handedly won the game and just hasn't done anything else at all yeah that's yeah sounds about right I think that's about it that's about it yeah that that one Jakeem drop against Cincinnati any Dolphins fan immediately knows what we're talking about that one drop where he was wide open and two threw a perfect rainbow deep ball and Dolphins fans were like that's our quarterback and then Jakeem drops it oh yeah Oh, if only. And then Tua gets blamed for it. And it's Tua's fault. Right. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, like you said, the last couple of holes are center and maybe running back. There are really only Nick Picky type, uh, you know, detractors from this offseason. It was pretty perfect down to a T as to what Dolphins fans would have wanted. Maybe you interchange Jalen Waddle for, you know, Devonta Smith. If you're a certain Dolphins fan, maybe you say, well, why did they trade back from uh, number three, but uh, outside of uh, maybe some certain fans wanting a specific player in the draft, they still addressed exactly what was supposed to be addressed, and then I think oftentimes picked the right guy to do it. So I, I was really happy with this offseason as a Dolphins fan, uh, which, you know, we haven't been excited about an offseason that was like pretty low key in uh, really ever because most exciting Dolphins, most exciting, the most exciting times of year for Miami fans in general is generally the offseason because we make splash signings. This year it was just the right guys, just the right picks. Uh, I was I was pretty dang happy. I'm going A minus for Miami here as well with my favorite move probably being at this point uh, Jalen Phillips at 18, who actually wasn't even who I was gunning for on draft night. I was really really hoping um, they would potentially uh, before Jeremiah Jeremiah Usu Koromoa fell all the way. I thought that's who they were going to go for at 18, but. I was thrilled, uh, you know, now with that 
with that Jalen Phillips pick addressing the the edge rush, which they really needed to do. But I'm going A minus. So I, I'm going to go an A minus as well. I'm going to go with the other Jalen as my favorite pick because I I mean you remember Justin, I've been saying it all along. I think that he was the better fit for this team and what this team needed. So I'm happy they ended up getting him. Uh, a minus and and Waddle for me. All righty, it's it's that time. Rank it. Four to one. Who's at the bottom? Who's going all the way up to the top? Josh, I think you're still here. Listen, yeah, it's not going to be New England. Spoiler alert: they are not my number one. I don't think they're going to be Nick's number one. Like, uh, like you they're said, not. they were. But, but Nick, what do you got? Four to one. Okay, so number four, I'm going with the New York Jets. Number three, I'm going to go with the New England Patriots because I just don't know how quickly all those pieces are going to gel, and I think there's going to be a little bit of a slip up in the transition from Cam Newton to Mac Jones. I think there's a lot of potential with them, but I don't think they're going to be you know, competing for the title this year. Then I'm going Miami, and then finally Buffalo. But I do think Miami's going to make it to the playoffs. I, I just don't think it's fair to knock Buffalo off of number one right now. They might be, honestly, the most complete team in the NFL. And not only that, they have a coach of the year level coach in Sean McDermott. They have who looks to be uh, a, a perennial top five, top seven quarterback, if not better, in Josh Allen. There's just no way to knock him off the perch. So I think this will be one of the few divisions of the eight where we're exactly in alignment for the exact same reasons. The Jets are still rebuilding. The Patriots, I think, and Dolphins, you could probably interchange. And if we weren't Dolphins fans, we might do that. But um, I think it's totally fair to have Miami (laughs) at number two. So I'm going Jets, Patriots, Dolphins, Bills from bottom to top as well. Although I will say... Every single one of these four teams seems to have a solid direction moving forward. And I wouldn't be surprised if within a year or two, uh, this is talked about as one of, if not the strongest division in the the NFL, especially, and this is obviously a massive if, but especially if uh, all of Tua, uh, Mac Jones, and Zach Wilson prove to at least be serviceable starting quarterbacks. But yeah, I'm going going with you there as well um, from, from four to one. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm in agreement. And you took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say it at the end that I think next year, this is going to be talked next year, maybe the year after this is going to be talked about as the best division in football, because there's so much young talent here that if developed properly, this, this division is going to be the most competitive in the game. Okay. So with that said, anything else football related you want to jump on before I bring us into our first wild card question of the summer months? Uh, no, I'm ready for this. Let's get this wild card. Alrighty. Um, for anyone who may not know, at the end of most shows, but sometimes we forget, at the end of most shows, we have a wild card question of the day, a non-football related question that uh, we talk about. Anyone who's here on Locker Room, feel free to either jump up or mention in the chat your answer to any of our fun random questions. Today, Nick, question is, if you can make one annoying nuisance that other people around you in the world do, of which, you know, people tend to have many. If you can make one annoying nuisance that you find in the world illegal, is that if anyone does it and pisses you off with it, they can be fined and or jailed for it. What would that annoying nuisance be? Wow. Got a lot of power um, here. I have so much power, and I, I, I have a lot of responsibility. You know, I... <laughs> I kind of had an idea of where this question was going, 
Uh, so I had an idea in my mind of what I was going to say, but then you gave it, you made it illegal. And now I'm like questioning whether or not I should make this illegal. Um, <laughs> um, so I'm going to go ahead and go. So one of the things that happens in the universe that drives me up a wall, drives me absolutely insane is when now, listen, I'm, I'm usually a pretty attentive driver. I'm usually paying attention. Uh, and I'm usually ready to go as much as the next person when the light turns green oh. or a red light. <laughs> but those people who it, who don't even wait a millisecond between yeah. it turning green and you honking at me, those people can rot in hell, let alone jail. Oh, that's interesting. I thought you were going. I thought you were going the other way. I thought you were going to say people who are on their phone at the red light and don't move. But that's already illegal. So I can't make an illegal thing already illegal. Right. Oh, that's true. That's true. That's no, that, that is also me, very. That drives me insane. Like there is nothing that will raise my blood pressure faster on the road than if I am like I can only move my my foot so fast from. And again, I usually am paying attention. <laughs> it's very rare that there's an issue with that with me. But like, good lord! Like, what do you think I am? I hate them. No, there there are a lot of good no driving one ones. There are a lot of good. people who go like one or two miles an hour under the speed limit in the express lane. That's that's another driving one that, that I think I, w- I would throw in there. Is, is that illegal? Do you have to? I don't think so. What? It's I don't think illegal. so. When people go like a couple miles an hour under the speed limit in a one-lane express lane. Cause that, it's that's not, not my answer, but that well, also pisses me I don't, off. I don't think it's illegal, but it's super friggin' annoying. It, it is. It is. So that, yeah, that's, a, that's, another, that's another good. There are a lot of good driving ones um, really that are. I think would fit really well here. <laughs> My, I think my, my number one, and I don't know why this really irritates me. I don't, maybe it shouldn't, but when people are in a public space and let's say, let's just say for instance, the grocery store and they're talking obscenely loudly on the phone. Oh, so like such true. that I am then a part of the conversation <laughs> that really pisses me off. And I talk, I kind of talk a little loud on the phone. My girlfriend will tell me that when we're in the car and I'm on the phone. I talk really loudly. I do not do it in public spaces. I'm like very cognizant of it because it really annoys me. Like I'll talk kind of quietly if I'm if I'm on the phone in a public space or let's say waiting in line, I don't know, like at the bank or something, and I'm right behind someone. And I, what? I, either leave, go outside and have your conversation, or talk at a normal volume. Like the person could still hear you on the other end. It really, really, it really pisses me off. The other one, and this one, I feel a little. Maybe a little bad about because I know some people just don't never feel bad. Time, about but when when someone chews with their mouth like really wide open, like that that should be finable. <laughs> that should be a finable offense. It I, I, I once I notice it, I can't un I can't notice anything else. It's just it takes all of my attention, which is again probably a personal problem that I should figure out. But like for God's sakes, don't do that. It it it, it grinds my gears to use the the phrase. No, I think I think both of those are good ones. Uh, I definitely I'm so with you on the people who speak loudly. Just like, good lord, no one cares. No one cares about whatever happened to you at work this week, Karen. You don't need to scream about it in the grocery it's store. Always, it's always a Karen. It's always a Karen. That's the life lesson from today's show. It's just it's it's always a Karen. They're the same people that are honking at you too immediately after the light turns green. Uh, Josh, Josh, Josh said he did get. Oh wait, we got a couple answers here. People not pulling over for ambulances. I think that is illegal. 
That, that is illegal, that, but that's also super messed up. Like, if you if you were the one who needed that ambulance, you would wish people would get out of the way. That's a good one. Yeah, but never see pull over. Yeah, no, John is right. People are never pulled over. It's, people are often not pulled over for it because there's not necessarily an accompanying cop car. Josh is coming back onto the show. He's got one for us today. Josh, what do you got? Uh, so Give us your I've answer. Got a, I've got a couple. First of all, <clears throat> in those fast casual places or fast food places where you're standing in line and looking at the menu for like 20 minutes while you're, while you're in line and you get up there and you're like, so what'd you like? And you're like, um, I don't know. Like, I don't know about fine to jail time. Like, you, you, you're back of the line. Back of the line. You're not, you're not taking five minutes to figure out what you want. You, you've had, you've been in line. You've been thinking exactly. about it. And it's not like fast food restaurants have th- that deep of a menu. It's like six And you've probably already been one. there multiple times, too. Exactly. So true. Um, uh, uh, <laughs> oh man, wait, I just forgot the other one. What was the, was it, was it fast food or fast casual? Damn, I forgot the other one. It was people a good forgetting one things when they teed up when they teed up an answer, and then they can, that's yeah. that's one for me. Josh, you're at you're gone. Um, <laughs> another one, and I know I get it. Whatever you know, this day and age, but uh, bus drivers and parents who want their kids to be dropped off in front of their house, um, so the bus stops every ten feet. Um, that should be illegal. That should not happen anymore. I had to walk like half a mile to my bus stop, or a mile, like. <laughs> walk kids this is the reason why everyone's so obese you're gonna go home and go on your ipad or play video games or do tiktoks or whatnot <laughs> get some like, fresh air you can't get use some the fresh, fresh air, air play pokemon go while you're walking home or something like that get in a buddy system <laughs> i don't know what you have to do but if i have to stand behind a bus and it's taking me 20 minutes to go 100 yards there, there's an issue here uh bus drivers and, and those parents should be should be fined heavily for that it's just it drives me insane but the, the driving ones you, you guys took them both the people who beep at you or the people who don't go and sit there, both of them should be fined. And then the people who drive slow in the fast lane. And then they, like, look at you and, like, give you, like, the hand after. Like, what? Like, what do you mean, what? <laughs> Get out of the way. Yeah, yeah that's what. Move. That's move. what. <laughs> that's why I wish I had one of those, like, I wish you could just, like, send text messages to people or, like, like I don't know, have something, like, show up on your car. Like you're an idiot, <laughs> or get out the way, or I'm in a hurry. No, that's uh, th- those are those are perfect ones. Those are those are perfect ones. I, those are great, great answers. Honestly, that back of the line should become I think casual restaurant policy. That yeah, should be the policy. Hundred percent. I'm on board with that one. Yes, sir. I, I, yeah, I mean, it, we don't we don't necessarily make that one finer jail time, but that's just the new policy. If there is an extensive line and you've had time to pick your order. You're going to the back of the line if you don't have your order within a few seconds. How many times? Uh, We're we are petitioning you know for that to happen. <laughs> you know, or uh, what's a what's a? I don't know. I've always had the bowl, but maybe I want to try the. Maybe I want to try the the burrito. Exactly, like you should you know, have. No, you don't. Um, You've already tried it. Move just on. get the bowl and get the hell out of the way, Karen or Kyle. Whichever <laughs> it's always you are. Karen. It's always it's a Karen always or a Kyle. Karen. The lesson from today's show. Perfect. I I love these questions. By the way, I still remember the first question I ever did was the zombie one. Uh, oh yeah. I, I remember that. where I was. I was sitting in Walmart parking lot, uh, <laughs> about to go in, and I didn't want to. I didn't want to lose connection. So I, I I love these wild card questions. They're the best. You always have great answers. So we appreciate you, you as do. always. Uh, always jumping on hey. these, Josh. Another thing, they're always long-winded. <laughs> <laughs> but thoughtful. Long-winded hey, but thoughtful. That's your trademark on this. Consistency, uh, that's key. Yeah, you know. 
right, I'll exactly. talk to you guys later. Always a pleasure. All right, man. Thanks, Josh. All right, Nick, I think that's a great spot for us to stop just over an yes, hour sir. today. So uh, to everyone who jumped on, especially Josh, thank you all for uh, for jumping on, listening, contributing in the chat as well. We uh, we are really appreciate it. Uh, it's our favorite thing about doing the show on this platform is getting to interact with all of you. So thank you very much for, uh, for joining the show. And Nick, uh, I think we're going to start off uh, or kick off rather next week with our next division. Want to give a teaser? What division do you want to go to next week? I say we I say we stay in the same uh, same part of the country, but in the other conference. Same Cardinal direction. All right, NFC East next week. So make sure uh, to keep uh, keep an eye on our Twitters. I'm at Hire Justin. He's at OSO four six four four six. I think you have a very <laughs> yes. hard to remember Twitter handle. But make sure to stay apprised on those. So we'll be keeping you updated when we're going to be going live on Locker Room. If you want to join us live, otherwise. As always, these shows will be on all of our podcasting platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, what have you, within 24 hours of their live recording. So be sure to keep a lookout for those as well. Thank you very much for listening, and we will see you all next week. Thanks, guys.